0: Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Cher. And we're your Queen Bees. So, I have a lot of Golden State Killer updates this week. Okay, um, cool. I did actually read quite a bit of that book, so I'm like about... <laughs> Had a lot of daylight hours to get yeah, through it. Yeah, well I just like have been bringing it on the Metro. Oh. And, hmm. um, yeah, which I think is an is a mixed bag. Yeah, it would make you suspicious of others. But I think, like, with this book specifically, I feel much safer in a public place than sure. in my own home. Sure. So yeah. last night, Brennan was out at a hockey game, and I, for, like, the first time, did have a hard time getting to sleep and, like, didn't like having my house dark. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I, you know, I took some melatonin and Good. went to bed at 8.30, so. Trusty. Yeah. Um, so, like, let's see. Let me open my notes that I actually somewhat took this week. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Should I start with, like, stuff from the book, or should I start with, like, actual updates from the case and news? Um, stuff from the book. Okay. So, one of the very fun things about reading this book at this point in time is mm-hmm. that we obviously know who the golden state killer is and we know oh. certain things about him. And right. so now we can read things <laughs> that are reported by witnesses. And like, there's a lot of information that is in Michelle McNamara's book, which mm-hmm. like not a lot of attention is paid, but just like a slight mention. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh my God, like that's, you know, that ties it all together. So like right. one specific event, uh, a woman, uh, basically hears somebody like prowling in her backyard and so mm-hmm. she calls the police and when the police arrive she's like well what the heck like why did it take you so long to come in like I've heard a police radio crackling for the past five minutes and it's like yuck it was his police radio oh, so like that that was one thing where I was like oh god so how loud is that police radio that she could hear it well so like I I don't really know how police radios work, but I don't think that they necessarily like if he just had it on in his car Mm -hmm. when like it was still crackling around when like he parked it there. I don't know. I I also don't know like if he was parking his squad car places. Like like if he was on his beat when he was doing these. Like all of that has like kind of yet to come out. They name like a number of cars that had been seen like around various scenes and one of them is a police car. Um, at one point they described the jacket that he wore as, like, something that you would wear in the Navy. And I think he was in the Navy, according to the one picture of him as a young man that I've mm. seen. I believe he's in the Navy. So, like, all of that is very fun um, and satisfying. Which, mm-hmm. like, you wouldn't have had that sort of, like, light bulb moment if you didn't know what we already know now right um some like favorite moments that i have from the book um michelle mcnamara talks about how she became interested in true crime and sort of the feelings that she have about it has about it which i think are similar to my feelings about it where there's just like a deep obsession and it's like combination of like fascination and horror and like you just want to know the answer so badly and you want to put all the pieces together and Mm -hmm. you feel like if you could just put all the pieces together and have them there that you would have to have an answer um but she i guess like in her hometown like very close to her house a girl was um murdered in an alleyway and she went like the next day i think she's like 12 or 13 and she goes to the alleyway and, like, there are pieces of this girl's, like, broken Walkman. And, like, Michelle McNamara picks them up. No, Michelle, <laughs> don't touch <laughs> they things at crime scene. It was already, it okay, had already they might have processed. had to do another stand. It had already been processed. There was no more police tape. Still, she it should was not have her. done that. She should have been, like, the little boy in Helter Skelter and touched things correctly or not at all. I know. Okay. But I think... It's I don't support It's It's a... <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> anyway, it. it I, I liked that element of it though, and kind of like watching it or like hearing her develop and then you like hear about her relationship with her mother and like mm-hmm. writing and like all that stuff. So that, I really like that that is like interwoven between mm-hmm. like the stuff about the Golden State Killer because it's like, it's a nice reprieve mm-hmm. and it's a nice kind of reminder of who is telling this story mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like, reassured and safe and also happy for her that this man is finally caught. Yeah. Um, another favorite part, the people in Sacramento are just, like, the best. They're self-reliant, they are nitty-gritty people, and, like, obviously when, um... Like, all of these rapes are happening. I mean, they're happening, like, once a month. Like, it's, like, very often. Mm -hmm. And, like, the press is, like, releasing these, like, very salacious articles. Like, frankly, as they should, though, because, like, people need to be prepared and, you Mm know, know what's going on. Like, sometimes they don't report it and then it's, like, you're not prepared and people don't, you know, do what they can. Even though it won't matter because he will, you know, steal the balls from your gun. But, um... So, like, a couple of men, um, I think, like, it started by a dentist, or at least, like, the funding for it, like, form this, like, um vigilante patrol. perfect. There's nothing I love better than a vigilante. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they like are, they organize this like watch group and they like are all like marching around and um, the police are like. He's just like dodging behind all of them. Yeah, I mean the the police are like, please stop. He was probably in that vigilante group. I mean, frankly (laughs) probably. But the police are like, please don't. Like, it's it's, like really just like frothing stuff up. Um, But I really like that I, I really like that that was sort of the instinct of all the mm. all the people in Sacramento. It was like, well, we're gonna we're gonna take care of this ourselves yeah. Then. Um, it's like, oh no, we don't we shouldn't do that. Also the survivors are like total badasses in this town of course. Like they um, one girl did an interview. And, like, in her interview, sort of gave identifying details, like, not necessarily of, like, who she was, but of her attack, which would, like, if the Golden State Killer read it, he would know, like, who had said this. Mm -hmm. But what she said, um, I would feel cheated if someone blew his head off. I'd ask them to aim low. (laughs) Like, damn, girl. (laughs) Whoa. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, um, there's another woman who... She's, like, discovered naked, bound, raped, horrible. And um, she was the first um, survivor that was not in, like, the East Area. hmm And when, like, the police got there, the first thing she says she is, like, well, I guess he's the South Area Rapist now. So, like, I was, like, holy shit. <laughs> like. Even as a police officer, you'd be, like. Jesus, okay, uh, I need to come back, like, go out and re-enter and yeah. get my shit together. I mean, I don't think, I'm sure this is, like, probably after she has, you know, oh, been okay. covered I thought in it clothed. was, like, she was still bound, but like, that is he's al- the South Area rapist now. That, that's Holy that's shit. also how I iman- imagined it, which, like, anyway, but I, I just, like, I kind of like that that woman had, like, not, like, a sense of humor, but, like, just it's like, just, grit. Yeah, just like true grit. Yeah. Which also, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. I love them. <laughs> of course you do. I, there's like a plucky girl in it. There's a plucky girl and a grumpy man who loves her. Perfect. Which is what I like. <laughs> um, but in a very, like, not gross way. It's like a dad, grandpa way. In, like, yeah, no, I, I yeah, very much like. In every much way like, that's, like, straight and narrow. <laughs> very much like, yeah. I mean, it's just, it gives you gives you some hope about the Wild West, which I started season two of Westworld, and it is a bloodbath. <laughs> so, um, speaking of the Wild West. Um, the other thing that's very nice is that, like, the whole community, like, really is supporting its survivors. Like, one woman, um, like, her house blew a fuse after... Like after she had been attacked, and she just like started screaming because like she was having like huge like PTSD flashbacks, and like this elderly couple (sighs) who like knew what had happened like ran over to make sure she was okay and like repaired her fuse for her, which I just like that's community exactly love very Um, important, and then. Another story that was very touching to me were um, two husbands who were um, who had also been attacked, so they had had like the whole plate, the stacking plate treatment. Separate marriages, not gay No, no, no. separate marriages, but they lived. No, no, uh, separate marriages. um, Two heterosexual couples, um, but had I think they lived about two blocks from each other. Oh wow! And so, they like knew who each other were and, like, they both knew that they had been attacked and one of them went over to the other one's house. And they basically, like, formed a very sweet bond and they would go out, like, looking for him together. Um, Just because I think just to regain some power and to mm-hmm. be like we're doing They probably doing- never actually wanted to find him. They just wanted to feel like th- I mean they well, wanted Also, him would to they be recognize found, him? I mean, yeah. like what are they looking for? I mean, it's very He wore like a mask or something, right? He wore a mask. Like there are only a few people who had sighted him without a mask. And um yeah. Well, the other thing that's very weird and I'll be interested to know like how this sort of has worked out, but he Like, had, like, very different descriptions of his body. And, like, so, he started out as the Vesalia Ransacker. Which, like, basically, he would burglarize houses, but, like, really trash houses. And, like, there was clearly, like, a sexual element. Like, he would go through underwear drawers and, like, do, like, weird things with the underwear. And, like, Mm -hmm. posing them and, like, putting them in the baby's crib. And, like, just, like, gross... Um, he would do, like, very sadistic things, like, taking one earring out of a pair. which, like, to me, like, that was the most chilling detail. <laughs> I was like, you... <laughs> you how s- dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, but, I mean, how sadistic? I mean, I, I mean, everything is horrible in this book, but that, like, it just, that detail, I was like, oh, god. Um... Like, he just clearly, like, was, like, a psychological torturer mm-hmm. in everything that he did. Like, and he would steal stuff that, like, had no monetary value and only sentimental value. Like, pictures and, like, would rip up pictures. Like, just, like, just shitty.
1: Um, pictures
0: also is creepy because then it's, like, he always knows what you look like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I'll be, like, very interested to know, like, when they go through his house, like, does he have all these trophies? Or, like, was it just, like... For him, it was just taking it away. I wonder if he kept like certain stuff. I don't know. But otherwise, like, where did he put all that shit? I just don't know if he just threw it away. Like, if it was just about taking it away from those people, or I if it was about keeping it. Himself. I bet he kept it. I bet he like. I hope he kept it because I like, bet he kept it. let's get a little bit more evidence besides this one hundred percent DNA match. <laughs> um, but so, so that's how he started, and descriptions of that person are very different than the descriptions of the East Area Rapist. And so that's why there wasn't initially much of a connection was because, like, one of them was, like, short and stocky, and Mm -hmm. then, like, the East Area Rapist was, like, very thin and, like, sinewy and, like, kind of, like, reptilian, like, his movements were kind of reptilian. I wonder if by that time, though, he'd been doing so much parkour that he'd really toned up. I mean, possible. (laughs) Um, But, like, he was described as, like, basically, like, a baby face like like chubby weird also the very a very eerie part is they like describe a couple of people like came up or almost caught the visalia um brand soccer like one was so okay so this visalia ransacker was also like a peeping tom Mm -hmm. so that was like his other the other element of it and like it was mostly to teenage girls yeah and um this one teenage girl had seen him outside of her window and screamed mm-hmm. and then he had run away but then her boyfriend like had known that story and then had literally watched like he was sitting in front of her house and then that guy came back and he watched him and then the boyfriend gets out of the car and chases him and corners him in an alley yeah this is like a crazy story and i'm like holy shit so he is one of the people who has seen him face to face and like I'm sure one of the composite sketches is based on this, mm-hmm. um, but but it's also like I mean, eyewitness accounts are so unreliable, they're so un-reliable. because unreliable. it's like your adrenaline is like pumping, so what he saw might not have been fully but, accurate. But the thing that's weird is that like the Vasilia Ransacker ciders, those add up like they're the same, and the people who Why saw the ciders are the same. Why is there certainty that it's the same person? I think DNA. I think that there was semen oh, okay. in some of the scenes. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, and they knew that those two matched or something. Okay. Yeah, and I think. I mean, it adds up that I mean that's you know classic escalating behavior. So I'm not saying you know like oh like poking well, holes, but I'm just wondering. I, if, I think like, why I'm, there's uncertainty. certainty. So I'm pretty positive when the press release went out about this, they. Said the ran Ransacker, East Area Rapist, and yes, no, back. no, no, I know you're right about that. I just wondered why at the time they had made the connection that I'm guessing that there was semen on at one of the scenes because like he would masturbate at the scenes, yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> but so I, I'm, she- su- I'm sure that that's the answer, but it's just very odd that there's like difference in height difference in shoe just the shoe sizes are different like there's it's just like very weird um so i'll be interested to know sort of how that yeah turns out but but they describe this guy's voice as like really high pitched and like like whaley like have you ever heard uh you you probably shouldn't i mean the weepy voice killer have you ever heard of him Mm -mm. he like would kill people and then call the police to report himself (laughs) like and being like (laughs) there's Funny. it's like it's literally that's it's it sounds funny <laughs> and it's not like but it's, it's so <laughs> chilling and yet it's like <laughs> but, it, come honestly, on. but it honestly is kind of funny when you listen to it you're like what the fuck like just <laughs> but it's he also really killed people though so it's like yeah, not that, that funny but it's like it's like what is this voice right you're putting you. on yeah so it kind of reminded me of that like that's what i'm picturing him sounding like i'm like oh god like gross um, and then there's another story about a cop who saw him. And so the other thing is he has a gun. So, like, he shot at this cop and he ended up shooting the cop's flashlight. So, like, it just, like, everything went dark. So, it's like a very dramatic scene. That is very scary. Yeah. But it was that a would similar be a great moment in a TV show. It will be when they make, when they inevitably make the. Uh, yeah, David Fincher's, like, furiously. <laughs> Planning his shots now. I mean, I just want to or know. He better the, be. I want to know all the answers before we do this. But yeah. So, um, but he also described him as having like that kind of a weird voice, like oh, no, I'm oh, sir, don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like that. Either. I don't. I don't like it either. But then he like is described totally differently. His voice is like gritted teeth and like breathy and whispery. So, Maybe like, he's just like playing around with his identities. Well, and then also that increases the likelihood that they would think it was different people doing it true and i think they also thought like a lot of people wondered if like is he actually a paranoid schizophrenic or something or is he putting on an act to seem like he's a paranoid schizophrenic i think that's probably i think so too of the two i think so too also speaking of putting on an act guess who walked into court this week who him oh he walked like he didn't (laughs) (laughs) maybe before he was just so shocked about being caught he was weak at the knees or something I think he's just faking it and trying to get the sympathy, though. I was so excited that it was going to be, like, some, like, helter-skelter judge or something. (laughs) Who who was there? (laughs) I don't think those people are probably still practicing. It was a Manson girl, wasn't it? (laughs) I wish. Um, Let's see. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I have, like, some, like, kind of very, like, horrible details that, like, maybe I just, like, don't need to share. That's maybe... Um, I mean, I shared the earring thing, so yeah, that's probably enough chilling. for people. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, like, general updates, though, um, so my boyfriend, Paul Holes, has, mm. um, is now active on Twitter, which is everything I could has have dreamed got of. Has he gotten his little blue mark yet? Not yet, I don't know. I believe. do feel, like, weird about it until he does. Like, I believe that it's him, and yet I'm like. He is taking a selfie of himself running up, like, the <laughs> mountains of my backyard with, like, he it. is ripped. I he have, is looking good. Does he, my favorite murder follow him yet? Yes. Okay. I'm ahead. pretty sure they do. I was like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. No, He, he's a beautiful man. Brendan is at PF Chang's right now, like, my boyfriend, Paul <laughs> was. Um,. So yeah, anyway, so that's been very exciting. So if you want, um, he's been tweeting like some sort of like, I think he's going to tweet some updates about the case or like things about his journey on the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, this is a personal life update. I bought tickets to CrimeCon for um 2019, <laughs> which my sweet, sweet husband has agreed to go with me. <laughs> Even though, like, he has to now pay for his own badge and stuff. Oh, geez. And, like, for half of the hotel expenses. So, I mean, whatever. He's the best ever. Um, I'm incredibly excited. And I'm sure Paul Holtz will be there because he loved CrimeCon this year. Oh, great. I think Paul Holes is very excited to be getting this attention. Yeah. I think. Like, I, it's well-deserved. Yeah. And um, it's all, like, now it's all love. Like, it's not like he is the guy who couldn't solve the case, you know? So everybody that he runs into, it's like, oh, my God, you did it. That's also, so amazing. Also and hot for holes, though. Like, I mean, he is he's so – he is fine. a beautiful man. I love that he's flattered by it. I know. His wife is just like, Taking you don't need str- this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you don't need this confidence boost. His wife is like, good Very God. healthy ego already. His, his wife is like, you still have to empty the dishwasher. <laughs> exactly. In our new house. Um, Yeah. Um so an article a BuzzFeed article which I sent you came out mm-hmm. that oh yeah 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 she um re- apparently a nephew I don't I'm not sure if I like am willing to believe this as fact since the source was BuzzFeed at this point I mean, and it's Buzzfeed coming from is fairly reliable but I I didn't honestly I didn't read the article just because who said it was his nephew, or so something. So it's his nephew. So, so the, I just um, feel like they're making excuses because maybe the person that they know doesn't match up with what he's done. You know what I mean? And so, they're well. First of all, there is no excuse. No, for what exactly. He's done. I don't. I don't know that that is what he's trying to do, but I can't tell if he's like trying to just like put himself in the in the spotlight or maybe. like just like have a part of it. But anyway, so. Um, Joseph D'Angelo had a sister, I think Mm. a younger sister, um, who when they were growing up, this sister's son is reporting that um, she was raped as a child and that D'Angelo witnessed it when he was a child. And so potentially people are suspecting that maybe this was, like, the trigger all along and this is, like, what made him Mm. start doing this. And so now the question is, is, like, Is this, was this a traumatic experience for him? Or was this an arousing experience for him? I think it's likely both. I think you're right. I think likely he became obsessed with the event Mm -hmm. and eventually started to become aroused by it. Well, okay, and then this this raises some other questions that I've been thinking about today, <clears throat> especially because I listen to a podcast about Mary Bell, which, like, frankly, is one... Have you listened to My Favorite Murder About mm-hmm. Mary Bell? Okay, yeah. It's one... It, this case freaks me the F out. So, brief synops- synopsis about her. She <laughs> is a... Is she 11 or 12? Like, she's young. She was a kid. She's a kid who killed two, like, little boys and um in, like, very sadistic mean mm-hmm. ways and um she served 25 years in prison and then got out i didn't know she was released oh yeah I guess she, I she has a daughter and too. a granddaughter yikes yeah um but so i was listening to this podcast that basically was raising the question like do we believe that mary bell was intrinsically evil mm. and like was she born evil or Was she just in such a horrible family situation that it, like, activated the evil? Or is it a combination where it's, like, Mary, Mary Bell was a sociopath, and then the fact that she was abused, like, Mm -hmm. she already had no compassion, but then Mm -hmm. it made her, like, turn to, like, violence. Anyway, all of these are questions that I have, and, I mean, I... I, I just think that they're unknowable questions because it comes back to that nature versus nurture. Well, they are unknowable questions, but I think that's sort of also now what I'm applying to this, like, mm-hmm. DeAngelo thing. It's like, well, if this had never happened to his sister, would he ever have committed these rapes? Yeah. Or, or, or not, or, like, and if, 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 apparently he also lived in an abusive household, which, like, I mean, so did every other yeah. serial offender ever, but then, also, there are so many people who grow up in an abusive households and then do not ever do anything horrible to anyone, yes. and then there are also people like Jeffrey Dahmer who have very normal, like, upbringings and then kill people, so, yeah. it's just very hard to know. Did Ted Bundy have an abuser? I was just trying to think of that. I actually don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out (laughs) next week. But, yeah. Um, I bet he did. I bet he didn't. I kind of feel like... I think he was a sociopath and, like, a true, true narcissist. Mm. And what really set him off was that girlfriend breaking up with him. Mm. Because she broke up with him. He ended up getting back together with her, proposed to her... Then just fucking bailed and started killing people. What a weirdo. I know. Um, let's see. Um, also, they're potentially, like, blocking the um, media from being allowed to go into Honestly, the court good call. I, but I'm like, please don't. No. I want to know. No, I want to know if, if he's walking you, into court. You don't need. you don't want anything, anything, anything to jeopardize his conviction. And the media, frankly, cannot be trusted. To not do something stupid. I just think that at this point, though, like, like we don't need constant, I mean, I don't know, I haven't seen, like, a terrible amount of coverage of the other stuff, like, on regular news. What other stuff? No, I mean, like, like I don't want this case covered like Casey Anthony or O.J. Simpson, where it's just all anyone talked about. And was on Why? TV constantly. I because wanted, neither of those people were convicted, Cher! <laughs> well... So it's just, like... I mean, not that the jury is allowed to see that, but it's just, like... I just don't think that that is conducive to actual justice. Well, okay. But I, I will say, Casey Anthony, they just, like, didn't have enough physical evidence. Like, I'm no. sorry, I'm sorry no, to i to say... No, I mean, it. I don't think that they... I mean, I, a lot of people on the jury were like, we weren't saying she didn't kill her. We're saying we couldn't convict her beyond a right. shadow of a doubt. Right. Right. And I think... It's, it's unfortunate, <clears throat> and I think that she did it, but mm. I also, like, I, you know, I don't think that that was the media's fault either. No, I mean, I'm not saying that the lack of convictions were the media's fault, but I don't know that... The media also was villainizing her. I mean, like, the yeah. media was... I think the OJ no, but the OJ case was- is a different story, because, like, there was so much controversy, and the media did... I mean, the media was, like, writing shit about Marsha Clark, which, like, fuck that. <laughs> they were showing topless pictures of her on her honeymoon, which were private, yeah. Yeah, um, which so. again, like the jury's not seeing that, but I just don't think. I don't know. Trial by media is never good. Even though I don't I mean, think so guilty, either. I think but, this is a very. I think this, allegedly. Is, this is. a different case though. Like I don't think it's gonna have the same. Vibe. But you also don't want him to be able to come back on appeal and say I never could have gotten a fair trial because of all the media scrutiny and because. X Y Z blah 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 blah. Yeah. So I if guess they that's shut true. it all down, like then he can't. Well, even why try can't that. they let responsible media, like the Sacramento no. Bee, in there? <laughs> you can't. You can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> Just because you want to be able to watch. <laughs> I know. I like. I really was hoping I could like get a seat at that courtroom at least one day. Well, what are you gonna do? I don't know. He was caught, and that will have to be enough. It, it's enough. For sure. Well, I mean, it'll be enough when he's convicted, true, and like sentenced to probably death. Yeah, because he deserves that. So they do kill people, on but the- I guess yeah. I, I just don't want this case to not be talked about because I think no, the I whole- think people will still talk about it. It'll be like this. Is- they'll just show those funny court sketches and stuff. <sighs> Yeah, well, I mean, I just want to know, is he walking or is he rolling in? I want to know. I want to know, is he mumbling under his breath like he has every time? like, Or is he talking in his weepy voice? Like, I don't know, but I want to know. Yeah. I'm sure that they'll get people. I'm sure Nancy Grace is going to have people on there that were, like, in the room or something. Some intern is going to be on Paul Holes. Pauls would never go on Nancy <laughs> Grace. I don't know. I think Pauls likes the attention. I think <laughs> I would hope that he'd be like interviewed by like Anderson Cooper and Lester Holt. I would hope he would be interviewed by, like George Stephanopoulos, <laughs> who I like have a odd crush on. <laughs> Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper has a delightful. Not. Oh, he's a CNN anchor, mm. and he has a delightful Twitter account. <laughs> Anyway, those are my updates for the Golden State Killer case. Um, you know, I may not be the media, but I will continue to talk about it and stir up a frenzy. Sure. Um, but I just want the backlog to be paid attention to, and I also want the statute of limitation abolished. Yes. So that's why I want this case to continue to be in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's frankly disgusting that we cannot charge any of the rapes because they're too old yeah it really is so and I also one other thing sorry um I like just read I just got to the part where they are like finding the DNA matches which is in like the late 90s and what a fun time to be in that (laughs) like what a fun time to be a lab tech when you're just like wow DNA is the best like (laughs) let's like run it through these databases see what we get and then like all of a sudden it's like holy shit Yeah, there are a lot but that's that's how they linked um, the East Area Rapist to the original Night Stalker Uh was through through the DNA stuff but it was like back in the day it wasn't like you could just put it in and then all of the matches would come back it was like you had to compare directly against you had to sort of know what you were looking for and say like oh like this has never been solved and it was in a similar area like let's see if it's the same Mm -hmm. anyway it's very fun it's like this like female lab tech who's like really like serious and great like she she just takes her job very seriously and like isn't like a bunch of fun but then when she like gets the results, she's like holy shit like (laughs) anyway um so yeah so that concludes golden state corner good good updates you want to transition to talking about the book yeah I'm actually really excited to talk about this book this week I am too I'm annoyed that I left my notebook at home yeah well that is annoying but but, but I think you know I what? remember most of the stuff I guess that I wanted to talk about um we can start by saying that my prediction or my speculation last week was literally 100% right which one was it well, we were talking, um, I was listening to it back the other day and I was listening to myself say, Well, I think, you know, it's like, you know, the McDonough's they'll probably win the case and you know, something that Mrs. Richardson finds out maybe makes Pearl and Mia have to leave town and Wow, yeah, you know, that's all about right culminates in Izzy deciding like she needs to like burn down the whole system and Yeah, that's just about that's right. That's exactly what happened. Um, so, (laughs) So. I mean, okay. (laughs) Were you satisfied with this book or not? Not the ending at all. Okay. I was, so this book was really interesting, um, because I think it's the most plot driven book we've read so far in that the plot of it is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those where it was almost, reading this, it was almost like when I've watched shows without Rachel, like The Walking Dead, or now my new show, I've started watching Broadchurch. What the heck? You were supposed to tell me you were okay, starting I it. Okay, I didn't know I was supposed to tell you. I was going to tell Audrey. you. Audrey, You have eight million shows. I know. I think you'll really like it. I would it. have, I have one episode downloaded for my flight. Okay. You should, you'll like it. Um, anyway, but whenever I watch shows like that that are plot driven or like, crime oriented or whatever and Rachel's like she doesn't really want to commit to watching them but she's usually interested in the details Mm because it's like sometimes like it freaks her out or whatever um so usually she'll come home and I'll be like here's what I've seen today um I felt like the need to do that with this book too like just to update her on what was going on because it was so like plot heavy yeah um but then no I wasn't the ending I felt deeply unsatisfied by same Um, I mean, it's just because we don't, we spend all this time getting to the point where Izzy sets the house on fire and then we get some flashes forward and it's not like I need to know like how every character dies or anything, but it's like we spend so much time with these characters and everything kind of blew up and then the book just ends and we don't really know really, we don't really get any kind of closure from it at all. Right. I mean, I guess, like, the quote-unquote closure is, like, supposed to be those photos, and it's, like, now the Richardsons can, like, move on to what they will. But because it's a book, I couldn't really fully visualize the photos. So I was, like, I I had trouble trying to, like, picture it, and I was, like, this is, I I don't care. Yeah. I would have rather it was, like, portraits of them or something that she'd taken. That's what I thought it was at first. something, yeah. (laughs) Not, like, weird cutouts or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Her art sounds a little too crafty for me. Well, it's like she stages something and then takes a photo of it. I was like, that sounds... What? Yeah, I don't know. Um. Okay, so the first thing that I have to talk about... (laughs) Like, this is, like, I wanted to text you about this because I was just like, what the F? (laughs) Um. So, like, Mia's big secret... Oh, yeah. Like, essentially is that she had been asked to be a surrogate mother... Yeah. ...by a couple who was struggling with fertility, but, like, Mia looked exactly like the other her woman, was like, oh, which yeah. was bizarre. Um, <clears throat> but then Mia is struggling to... She loses her scholarship to art school... Oh, yeah. ...basically because the school cut funding for the scholarships. Right. And so in order to pay her way through art school yeah she Mm -hmm. agrees yeah But, but then well but then her brother dies and her family basically shames her for doing this which like i just don't know that being a surrogate mother is that big of a deal i think it would make less sense so i mean i understand maybe if it's like because they knew that it was her egg and they're saying like you're just kind of callously giving up your own blood when your brother just died. They might have reacted slightly differently if he hadn't died. But also, like, it would make more sense to me if... Like, I feel like if I told my parents I'm going to be a surrogate, my dad would be like, no. Like, that's a huge undertaking. You're going to be pregnant. Like, there's a lot of health stuff that could come up. You're going to be attached to this child. Then you have to give it... Like, my dad would give me 8 million reasons. It would not have nothing to do with... um. Like, that's a dirty, weird thing. You're selling a baby. It would have everything to do with you're going to put yourself through something enormous. Right. And, you know, are you really sure that you want to make that choice? And also, like, it's going to affect your career and your ability to make money for yourself, other than, you know, this. Right. And, but I, but I don't think that anybody, I, like, I just found like their reaction very weird in that like the, they were like you're selling your child but like mm-hmm. that doesn't i, I guess there's just so many things like so like what's the difference then between like sperm donation and egg donation and stuff like i just right. like like i get it you're you know you're carrying the child or the like term but being a surrogate for a gay couple Right well and i like i have like i would absolutely be a surrogate me like, too. for people that I know and love if they, like, couldn't have children or whatever. Like, I would be, like, 100% in there. I told Quentin I would be a surrogate. And he was like, I don't know. I, I asked, <laughs> I, I had literally, I had I had a conversation with Brendan about it. And I'm like, would you feel really weird if I was a surrogate mother? And he was like, no. Like, that's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> like I, I mean, like, I, like, literally even thought about, like, how I would, like, convey to my children, like, what this is. It's, like, really, it's an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. And... And, like, yeah, she's getting paid for it, but she's not getting paid very much. Like, no. surrogate mothers these days can be can make literally 80 grand. Yeah, when they said, I mean, I know, you know, that was in the 80s, but still, $10,000, I was like, is that even going to pay a semester of her tuition? These people are very rich. Yeah, like, that seems like, stingy. Like, how much is this baby really worth to you, Mr. and Mrs. Ryan? Yeah. But also, okay, so I understand, so, but my issue with that plot is that I feel like the main theme of this book, based on how, like, the last couple paragraphs and everything that happens in the middle, is about the pull of motherhood. Yeah. And how motherhood is kind of, like, undeniable and unescapable and... not unescapable, but, like, the feeling of it is, like, you can't get away from that. Right. Or, like... and it's about how... it's almost like unapologetic and it's like it's like the ultimate truth of the book yes is exactly and but I think what Mia did was wrong it was wrong I like 100% worse than the debate like where I think you can have a debate about B.B. and the McDonough's and it's kind of an interesting yeah and it like is makes you anxious and I'm sure, like, if we ever become famous, I'll get 8 million emails about all the problematic shit I said last week. or yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um, but, and, like, it was inviting these, like, uncomfortable questions. But it's, like, what Mia does, yeah, it's her egg, but she, and not saying, like, you can't, but she didn't agree to an adoption. She was, well, and she agreed and, to be a surrogate and then just said, I lost it, sorry, bye. Well, and it's, as much biologically hers as it is yes. his, and so it's like that's that's the complicated thing, and I think it's just like just because she's bringing that child to term, like somehow she has more of a right to it. When like honestly, like this child was really like his conception yeah. and like his like I mean they signed a contract that said yeah. like basically this is no longer your baby, even though it's your in your body. Yeah. And I don't think that we're really meant to condemn Mia for what she did. No, which I I'm with you. I like it's it makes me uncomfortable. When she when she decided well, and it's also a little strange where that it's like her family says, I don't understand how you could sell your baby, and I thought she was basically gonna be like, fuck you, I'm leaving. And then it's like also I'm gonna keep the baby though. Yeah, I I couldn't tell if Mia was keeping the baby because Mia wanted the baby and, like, she basically felt an emptiness because her brother had died and Mm -hmm. now she has no family and so she's, like, creating a new family. Yeah. Or if it was because she felt ashamed of, like, what she had done. Mm -hmm. But, like, it it didn't – we didn't ever get a picture of Mia where she's, like – Oh, she felt the baby kicking and like felt this no, connection. It was very and, like... like she was very detached to it in almost like a way that we would hope surrogates would be. Whereas I think it would well, that's be That's how really... you have to be. Yeah. I mean, that's well, but I think it would be really interesting if Ng was more exploring like this alternative motherhood and how being a surrogate would be very confusing and that you're not you don't want to back out of it and you're happy to do this thing. Like, I think friends did that even in a more nuanced way, where Phoebe, she like basically carries her brother's kids, like, as a, like, the, like, you know, obviously it's not like her eggs or whatever. Yeah. And so she carries the children and then she has them and she like has this moment of real sadness and like in her like post. Labor. She tells Rachel, "I want to keep one." Aww. And she's like, "Maybe you know, because she has you know, because they did that like in in utero." Yeah. So she ends up having um, two twins. No, I think triplets. Triplets. She has triplets, and so she's like, "I mean, just one. You know, they could sell the other two. And so it's really funny, but then it's also this really somber moment. She's like holding all the babies, and you know, being like, "Oh, don't you know, don't forget me. Like, I know your other aunt has you know a PlayStation, but..." I carried you in my body. And and you see that she's so happy to do this for her brother and for his wife, and yet there's this kind of lovely sadness and connection that she has for the babies as well. I listen to this, um, I mean, I think it's, it's also very much one thing to be a surrogate for somebody when you know them and you'll see those children again. Like, mm-hmm. th- that's a different thing than, like, having a baby and then giving it to someone that you will probably never see again. Yeah. Um, but I listened to this podcast about this woman who was a surrogate for a woman in China. And I think um, in China, it's, like, incredibly shameful. Like, you would never do this. Oh. And so it um, – and I can't remember – I think it – anyway so she had to like hide it from everybody in her town and like nobody could know and she like literally went into hiding basically for nine months so the people would think she mm-hmm. was pregnant so that when she came back with this baby that like nobody would question it mm-hmm. um but the woman who was her surrogate it's like they like have this really like beautiful friendship that they like you know they've been texting each other mm-hmm. and like she comes out and visits her and um Anyway, it's, like, it's a really beautiful story, but the woman who's, the surrogate actually almost die, almost dies in mm-hmm. labor, and, um, the, like, the other mother, basically, it like, comes in, and, like, oh. like, the baby has been born, but, like, the other mother goes, like, into, like, oh the, <laughs> the surrogate mother's room first to, like, just be like, stop, <gasps> thank you so much oh for, like, God. all you've done, and, like, risking, anyway, it's just, like, it's very, like, moving and sweet, and, um... I don't know. Like, I think that surrogate mothers are, like, really, like, heroic people. Well, because it's, it's such so an act so of selflessness. Yeah. To say, I'm basically going to completely inconvenience myself. Well, and not to mention, and, like, put yourself through, like, excruciating physical pain. Yes. And, you know, gain 60 pounds. And, yeah. You know, I mean. Well, okay. And then also, so with the McDonough bebe storyline or BB storyline, it pissed me off because I kind of was like, Okay, so it makes sense that the court, I guess, would rule for the McDonoughs. Yeah. But then okay, so if we were supposed to really care about this storyline, be and it was like and it it was objectively wrong for BB to kidnap her child and <laughs> yeah. take it to a foreign land which slight note Canton is also a town in Ohio oh so it was no not like they should have renamed like at first when it was like (laughs) when you were in Canton and I was like oh so she was up there in Ohio okay so then and then but they were talking about speaking a different Cantonese (laughs) yeah Cantonese and I was like wait oh this is okay this is a foreign I see Um, interesting and maybe they could have picked Beijing yeah just something that's not also a town in Ohio Mm -hmm. Um, anyway. (laughs) There's no Beijing, Ohio. I mean, Ohio, actually, it's really funny. They have insane names. Like, there's an Israel, Ohio. Oh. There is... There's a Versailles, Ohio that is spelled Versailles, but it's Versailles. Oh. Um, there's, like, plenty of places in Ohio that are named after other places. Interesting. Um, including, now I know, Canton is Mm. one of those places. Um, anyway, so... So it's like she does a wrong thing, but then the McDonough's are like the next thing that we see of them. (laughs) They're like, they spent all this money trying to find her and they're like, yeah, I mean, we're just going to like adopt a Chinese baby, I guess. One that like nobody objectively wants and yeah. And so I feel like we're not meant to see that as it's just supposed to be like, I mean, what was Bebe BB going to do? Obviously, she should have... Because they kind of tee it up, like, maybe Mia could have stopped her from doing this... Hor- for a second, I thought she might have, like, killed... She was going to kill I, the McDonners. I know. Kill the child. I, I thought that, too, for a minute. Um, but then she takes the child away, which you're like, oh, no. And I thought, like, maybe she would have to go to jail for it or something. But then it's just like, yeah, we're just going to get a new baby. And we, you know, we missed the other one, but... So it ends up, it's, it's almost presented to us like, yeah, it's all fine. I mean, mo- mother's going to mother, you know? What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I also was, <laughs> like, I really wasn't sure who was going to win custody. Me neither. Like, I really I really couldn't tell. And I really liked, there was a chapter in there that basically is, like, it's sort of like, like a court scene where mm-hmm, you get... Mm-hmm. Um, each perspective so it's like you get one argument against a person and then you hear the justification Mm -hmm. from that other person's perspective it's really well done I liked it a lot Um, Yeah, but reading that I was like shit like I really don't know yeah that's how I Like everybody has like you know a valid
1: point here
0: well okay so my question is do you think that and this is coming from a white woman who was raised by her parents yep Do you think that May, or not May Ling, um, Bebe's lawyer Oh, Ed Kim? Yeah, is kind of like a Johnny Cochran in that he kind of bends this case to be more about the importance of May Ling being raised by a Chinese woman because she is Chinese as opposed to with a white family, which it brought up an interesting point that I never thought of, like, what are the implications of white families raising children of different races because that's not an uncommon thing. And I don't... But I feel like in our society, we've never been made to look down on that because it's an adoption out of love. And, like, I don't think anyone is ever like, oh, yeah, like that Angelina Jolie with her white privilege adopting those, you know... Babies from Cambodia and well, other places. I mean, what I will say about Ed Kim is that I think that he saw this case as a chance to like bring more visibility to Asian American well, people. Yeah, and I think like basically like use a pet like a pet project of his sort of like mm-hmm. or like a, like a chance to forward a pet project, which I'm not saying is not. Like a valuable thing, yeah. Well, because it's almost like he was suggesting that it was Mrs. Richardson or not Mrs. Richardson, Mrs. McDonough's fault that there are no Asian American baby or dolls or. I don't think he was saying. I don't think he was saying that. Well, he was like setting her up. Well, he was basically raising, like making it clear that she hadn't even thought about it. Yeah, and that I think is well, she just assumes. But what it more. What I more thought, and maybe this is, like, it. I, I thought it was more telling of her white privilege that she was, like, she just kind of assumed that that stuff would be available because right. there's plenty of books and dolls and things about white children and right. she just doesn't think about it. So she's like, yeah, of course, like, we're for sure going to read her books about Asian people. And he's like, well, I'll save you some time. There aren't any. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was just because I, I didn't feel like it was wrong that he was asking those questions but then I was like are they 100% relevant to whether or not they're fit parents? I don't think it's relevant to whether they're fit parents but I guess it's sort of like relevant to I, I like guess maybe I guess he is a more fit parent Well if the, I don't know that the argument is necessarily about like, who's a fit parent I think it's more about who does the child belong with Mm -hmm. and I think that whole argument did somewhat come into it where it's like this child is biologically linked to this woman this woman like knows and understands this culture and will be able to Mm -hmm. like teach her daughter this culture and like all this where it's clear that the other family like has I mean not much interest in it yeah, at this point, and I think, or like, well, we plan to learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think also like, which I don't think they're lying, but it's also, I don't think like, they're lying either, but I think they're also like patting themselves on the back for like mm-hmm. the things that they have done, which were not like quite like they're like, well, we didn't get her a teddy bear, we got her a panda, so like we're doing a great. <laughs> that job. part I was like, oh, so like I think it was more to like, I think those questions were more to raise the f- fact that. It wasn't much of a priority for them, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying it has to be the number one priority. And I, th- I don't think it's also the most important thing in the case. I think mean, the most important yeah. thing is, like, is this child safe and cared for? Yeah. But, um... I, I did, oh, Mrs. Richardson, when she was like, well, m- you know, what's her... What's the name the McDonald's give the baby? Maribel? M- yeah. Um, she's going to be raised in a home that doesn't see race like no <sighs> where you know what well I think that everybody should be raised by a, a parents that are not their own race that would like wouldn't defeat that solve, racism wouldn't that solve it all I was like I know Mrs. Richardson Mrs. Richardson is the and worst enough Mrs. Richardson she goes from questionable mom to despicable <laughs> so quickly I know like sociopath I know like the scene in the abortion clinic, where she's like basically blackmailing, but she doesn't have actually anything on the woman that runs the abortion clinic. She's like, or the health clinic. It's just a health clinic. I she's think. guilting her by like being like, "You're welcome for introducing you to your husband and teaching you about makeup in college." Which that's, fuck that's you. exactly the type of person. Like y- I think we had suspicions that Mrs. Richardson was like this in that. Her way of being nice to someone was also expecting something. In return. Like extreme gratitude in return because aren't you lucky that I'm in your life? Right. And those are very real people I think. Yeah. But it was just like for how liberal you claim to be and then you're like I want to look at the abortion records and not be reasonable that that is 100% not something and illegal. And then she sees because Lexi put pearl's name did lexi had the abortion in this section right not the last section this section okay. so for those of you who haven't read it basically lexi and pearl start having sex mm-hmm. and which how pearl and Tripp start having sex i was just like oh poor moody i mean poor moody but also you know what moody no You can't. Moody Moody also takes a bad turn. You (laughs) you take a bad turn. Moody, no. (laughs) Um, So, but Lexi realizes because she's seventeen and doesn't believe in consequences because her cerebral or her frontal Uh, lobe is not fully developed. uh, Gets pregnant has an abortion, which I was like, oh, this is actually pretty interesting because we talked about in Manhattan Beach... How nobody ever gets abortion. How abortions. nobody actually, you know, it's... oh, And especially but, in a book like this. Although, again, it's never the protagonist who gets an abortion. Oh, it's always the Nell. So <laughs> I think Lexi is a bit of a Nell on this. 100% a Nell. Um, <laughs> the more fun characters. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she... We, I don't think they could have had Pearl have an abortion. That would have been... Although they have Mia literally steal a baby. Yeah, so... So, I mean, who knows? Anything goes. Um, so Lexi makes an appointment for herself to have an abortion, has Pearl come with her to be her ride home, because she doesn't know who else to ask, and, but she uses Pearl's name... When she makes this appointment. Because she knows the woman knows her mom. Yeah. And, like, worries that she'll tell her. Yeah. Which, like, this woman never would have. However, no. your mom would have sn- snuck a peek well, at so, those damn records. I know. So I kind of forgot that Lexi had done that. So the whole time I was like... I, I The last 70 pages of this book, I was so tense. Yeah. Um, I thought that she was going to find out that it was Lexi. Or I thought that the... Um, health clinic woman was going to say you know no. no she's not on this list but who is Lexi and then I forgot that she'd use Pearl's name which makes everything 10,000% worse yeah which I will say um the conflict device of people have the wrong information oh, and are so not to the right people makes me crazy I know <laughs> And I think what, that's why I ended up being really unsatisfied with the book because there's nothing, I don't love that con, that con, ugh, construct. that construct. Yeah. I don't like that. But then if it's done for a short period of time and then the people finally have the right conversation, I find that so like, it's like a relief. Yes. It's like water is just like washed over you. You're just like, oh God bless. Well, and we never got that satisfaction of, like, everyone kind of getting into one room and being like, this is all the misinformation, and still things are not 100% great, but at least we all know the facts. Well, and the thing that's interesting is that... Which I guess is more like the, real life, but the whatever. person, The person who has all of the information is Izzy, and Ugh. fucking no one listens to Izzy. No, and she also is smart enough to... to figure stuff out yeah where when she's listening in on stuff she's like that doesn't really make sense but you know what would make sense is my sister using Pearl's name yeah well and um yeah that scene where like Lex or I mean Izzy is like going all around town and like confirming bits of information Uh, and then like finally gets to Mia's house and misses her by 10 minutes like for god's sake and then if she would just gone to her own damn house she could have (laughs) seen I know I know um that makes me furious. But the other, the other part of the end of this book, which I think raises a really interesting question, is like, a lot of this book has seemed to favor biological mothers, mm-hmm. and I think like yeah, there's this like connection between biological mothers. But you, at the end of the book, you get the feeling that Mia is a better mother to Izzy mm-hmm. than Mrs. Richardson will ever be. Yeah, and like, but you, I don't know if that's Ing's intention because the last few. Like the last page of the book, is Mrs. Richardson being like, "I'm Izzy's mother, and I'm gonna find her, and no matter what, I'll never stop looking, and I'll be there waiting for her when she comes back to like put her in my arms, and if the police can't find her, I will." And I'm like, too little, too late. She Maybe should you should have, have tried to get to know your daughter her so badly yes. through this entire book. Like it's really honestly unforgivable. Yes. And I know that they tried to justify it by, like, saying that she was just, like, worried about her being sick all the time. But, like, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't buy it. Well, it's, yeah, she was scared when she was a baby that she was going to be taken away from her w- from illness. Yeah. But then she was a perfectly happy, healthy child. Yeah. So get over it. Also, like, why, like, if I were her, I'd make Moody the black sheep. Moody seems like a bore. <laughs> And then you'd be, you're excited that Pearl is, like, he has a friend. Yeah. And then when you find out that Pearl's sleeping with Trip, maybe then you, like, get mad about that or something. Who? Maybe. Mrs. Richardson. Oh, Mrs. Richardson. Like, if you need to, like, blow everything up. Right. But also, so, another thing about, like, how, like, the glory of motherhood and biological motherhood was I was not a huge fan of... Of when after Lexi gets an abortion and she goes back... I was like, oh, great. Mia's there. It's going to be great. And she was like, you know, you'll just always... She said something like, you'll always regret this, but you'll... something. Like, I, think you'll she said, be, I think she said you'll always be sad. Yeah. Or like, you'll always be sad about it. Which I was like, I don't know that that, that I love that. Which I think like, maybe you'll always... It'll I don't know. Like can we, is that really true? I think that, like she can always feel... I think what Mia was basically doing was giving her permission to feel that this was a loss. Yeah, and even though this is a choice, yeah, like this is something you can mourn. And I yeah. think that that, like I think she basically was giving her permission to mourn rather than feel guilty. I th- yeah, I think. Yeah, but I just think, like, saying you'll always be sad about this is saying it's always something that you're going to, I don't know. Like, I think that, I just don't think that it has to be that storyline. And I, I mean, like, I think you can always be, like, I, I, I like what you said about that you can feel like this is a loss and that maybe you wish that it didn't happen this way. Or, like, I think parenthood kind of treated that storyline well, where it's, like... Who had an abortion of parenthood? Drew's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And Drew had kind of gotten excited. Like, he thought maybe they could have raised the baby together. And which is kind of like Lexi. They never could have. Yeah, where Lexi kind of gets excited by the thought, like, maybe this could be something. Um, But then you look at, like, Sex and the City... Where all those women are like, yeah, we've had an abortion. Except for maybe Charlotte. I don't think Miranda had. I think she did. Oh, she maybe had one. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, and then you move on with your fucking life. I mean, I I guess, like, I just think that... That storyline is also maybe unrealistic. Yeah. I just don't think that... I just think it's such a complicated thing to think through. And obviously, like, Mia doesn't have to have the perfect... But I think we're meant to believe at that point that Mia is, you know... She's like a Lorelai Gilmore, you know, where it's like... She's like the mom who gets it. I mean, I think Mia is the mom who gets it, but I also think that, like, Mia... Is also pretty unexperienced in life. Like we find mm-hmm. out that like Mia has actually never had sex before, which I was like, what? Yeah, that was it came as a, an enormous shock to me. How bad must childbirth have hurt? I, I don't even want to know. But, um, but then it now made sense that there was that like picture of her titled virgin mother. Yeah, which I was like, oh, like she actually like they were serious. Like they actually, yeah. she actually was a virgin. Which, I mean. It's just, like, interesting because Mia has actually never had a romantic relationship. And so, Mm -hmm. like, actually, she's not super equipped to be talking to Lexi about the situation because she really has no experience in it because she kind of did the opposite with Pearl. Like, I mean, it's not the opposite of having an abortion, but, like, she had a baby she wasn't supposed to have. She stole it. She stole a baby. Um. I don't know. I I do, like... I just wish that we could start to think through how we talk to women about abortion if they want to talk about it. And so that we could... I mean, and obviously everybody has a different reaction to it or a different feeling about their abortion. But it's like... I don't know. I just think that we have kind of, like, two ways. where, Like, we either portray women acting like it's no big deal and who cares and then we have like well you'll always feel sad about it and feel weighed down by this choice you made but you'll just have to get you know you'll have to rise above it sometimes yeah no I agree because I think think you can wish that it didn't happen but know that it was the right choice for you like wish that you weren't in that situation to begin with but think like yeah I made the right decision Right, but I I also think you can hold both feelings of. Mm-hmm. Part of me kind of wanted this, but also the other part of me knew that this was not the right thing. Mm-hmm. And oh, like, totally. Like I, so I I think it's like, I think that that's what's complicated sometimes, and I think especially in Lexi's situation because she kind of really was very baby crazy and like the idea of having a baby was very exciting to her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't somebody who was basically like oh I like Christina Yang and um. Yeah, in Grey's Anatomy where she's like I absolutely don't like children this no is not- I mean what Christina says is like if I had a child I would love it and like I love Meredith's children but that is 100% not what I want I don't want to be a mother but the her, her she doesn't have an abortion her miscarriage happens season, yeah. like season 1 or 2 and that's she like would, way think. before anyone mm. has kids but she yeah. basically is very matter of fact about it she's like no like this is not this is not the time like yeah. where I'm scheduling. I'm an a surgeon. Yeah. yeah. Where where I think Lexi is it's not that clear to her mm-hmm. what she wants. Yeah. And so, um Which is interesting because that you say that about Christina Yang because I feel like and Shonda Rhimes does something kind of similar with Olivia Pope in Scandal. And I, I've never seen this episode, but I remember people kind of applauding it for Um, Carrie Washington's character being very matter-of-fact about an abortion that she gets after she and the president break up Mm. for, you know, the umpteenth time. Um, And she, like, the scene is basically she just walks into the clinic, and then the episode's over, and it's not really addressed again. Um, And so, you know, I think it's interesting and, and good to have, like, pushes of saying, like, it doesn't have to be this big tragedy in a woman's life, and it's not. But also, it's also unfair to deny that sometimes you would have feelings about it or that maybe you're sad that, you know, it wasn't the right time or maybe you do feel guilty. I mean, I think, I mean, there, there's a hotline that is literally specifically set up for women who are mourning abortions. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I mean, like, like it's, it's, um, yeah, it's in my referral guide. Um, So that's why I know about it. But um, so people obviously years later even like are still having feelings and need to talk about it. And I think there isn't really a safe place to talk about it openly in our culture now. And so that's why people need to have an anonymous hotline that they can call. Well, because it's almost as though it's like people that are pro-life think that you're disgusting and a murderer. Mm -hmm. But then people, a lot of people who are pro-choice feel as though their reproductive rights are under attack so it's like if you have an abortion it's almost as though it's like you have to be really proud and and like act like it's yeah it's like no big deal because that's what is the narrative sometimes yeah. and it's like there has to be where you can be both there has to be room to be both pro-choice and feel like you've made the right decision and also just feel, like, bad about what happened. Yeah, I mean... Not that you regret it, but... No, but I think it's a... It's it's just very... It's a lot of complicated feelings, and I think And I just remember what Mia said. I was like, I don't... But then I didn't know if I was reacting like, no, in media, we have to be positive about it. I didn't. I I don't remember having the same visceral reaction. I don't remember exactly what she said, but I think I also think that, for Lexi, there was one thing that Mia said. To her, that I thought that she was just sort of like. I don't know, Lexi. We'll see. Like, like you know, it's like, or, or, I don't know, Lexi. It's up to you now, or something. Like I don't know. It was sort of like a little bit callous, but, um, I think also you have to remember that Lexi's coming from a mother who is like hyper judgmental Mm -hmm. and like you know sets very high standards for her children Mm -hmm. and like for the first time ever I think that like Lexi can be a kid sort of and just like let somebody take care of her in a way Mm -hmm. that her mom like I don't know is capable Yeah. of or like I think her mom is so much more concerned with like image Mm -hmm. that in doing everything correctly well and if she found out that she had an abortion I mean it would have been an enormous disappointment to her mm. that she had made this huge mistake. Whereas yeah. I think with Mia, like Mia is able to like be the cool mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was also right in my prediction that Pearl was going to kind of end up getting a raw end of the deal. Yeah. Poor Pearl. Whatever. I have to move. But you know what, though, like, Trip wasn't good for her. I wish that there could have been a little bit more to that relationship other than, like, we just meet and have sex. And we're teenagers. And because I think we're meant to believe that Tripp really did care, care about her. her a lot. Yeah. Especially when Moody is, like, a huge dick and he's like, oh, yeah, like, she's probably meeting one of her other guys. Like, you didn't think you were the only one, Yo, did wh- you? Where like, the F did, fuck did you come Moody? From? <laughs> Like, he was clearly just trying to make Tripp feel, like, bad Bad. or insignificant or something and then triple taxing i also thought he was trying to like insinuate that maybe like her and moody were hooking up and i was like moody get real (laughs) Uh which we do we also learn that um pearl was in fact pretty aware that moody liked her but also, like, you don't have to like him back, Pearl. No. Like, I mean, I don't think that, I, I don't think that we're meant to feel like, you know, poor Moody. Like, he no. deserves to be with Pearl. Like, no. I, I, but I also am like, it's like a little disappointing because, like, Trip, like, we don't really see any development from Trip. No. And so we're sort of like, well, it's like he's this quiet, he's like a very interesting figure. He's exactly the kind of person that I would just want to delve right into in a TV show where it's like, He's the quiet lacrosse jock that you maybe have a bad impression. You know, he, he's like a maybe a Tim Riggins. Like, he could be one of those figures. Like, like... Quiet <sighs> and maybe not always the best, but a stand-up person. And, like, you're the one who brings... Like, did you ever watch One Tree Hill? uh uh-uh. Okay. He could be, like, a Nathan character. He falls in love with, like, the smart girl. I'm trying to think... I don't think he's a Tim Riggins because Tim Riggins is just like too bad boy. That's true. Like he could be like a Jordan Catalano. Did you ever watch My So Called Life? No, I've like never even heard of My So Called. Okay, it was one season. <laughs> it was Claire Danes's first role okay. as a teen actress, and it's basically like they wanted to make the real teen experience, but everyone was basically like, uh, "No, nine oh two and I was much more fun." Okay. Because it's just all about, like, they're all angsty. And Jordan Catalano is played by Jared Leto. (laughs) And he's stunningly beautiful. Okay. And he's just, like, really quiet and, like, kind of a bad boy. Um, And Claire Danes' character is just enamored with him. See, Tripp strikes me as, like, a Nate Archibald. Like, I guess, yeah. Like, he's cute, he's popular... But like he's secretly pretty nice. Yeah. But also like he's not, you know, he's not the he's not leading the show. Yeah. Um, he likes weird girls. Yeah. Like Vanessa. One of my fi- <laughs> fuck that girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, one of my favorite storylines though is when he dates Jenny Humphrey. Oh my I god! I loved it when he saves her from that the sex weird tape <laughs> photography situation and then they kissed on the street ew she has that bad haircut she gets that later isn't that oh it's the that? same it's the same um, plot um, plot line but she gets it like the episode later and then they're kind of dating. It ends so quickly, and it's so disappointing to me. But don't they like I think Jenny Humphrey could have been fine if she and Nate had stayed together. Woman. And she never moved in with that Agnes, who burned her dresses. Oh, I fucking hate that episode. Agnes! <laughs> I just remember seeing the promo for it, and me and my friend Jackie Johnson, who both were so into Gilmore, or Gossip, Gossip Girl. Girl, like the next day we were like, the fire! Did you see it? Oh, my God. That ep- that episode makes me want to throw up. Like, I-, <laughs> I hate when they burn all of her dresses. I'm like, no. And she's just crying. Yes. Agnes, what if you do? You're out it? of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> loved it. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't love that it – I didn't love watching it, but I loved that it happened. Oh, my God. And the God. promo that went with it. <sighs> I-, I don't know. I did not like that part. Um God, Gossip Girl! What a show. That season is—is
1: is that what is that? Season, season three, two.
0: season two. It's season, season three. Two. I think starts to go downhill. Yes. It does. Remember that episode where um, Jenny like basically like tries to hook up with Nate at his birthday party that <coughs> Serena is throwing for yes. him. Yes. And like tricks him. Like she keeps like yes interrupting hate. the surprise party plans. <laughs> I hate it too. Because <laughs> I really like Jenny Humphrey is a little sneak. So I like how Jenny starts, and then yeah. she turns horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and part of it is like, maybe Blair, if you had been 10% nicer to her. Do not ever blame this <laughs> on Blair. Maybe if she didn't have an enabling dad. Maybe Rufa if she Humphrey. weren't played by Taylor Momsen, who's like, I want to be me. Which is why she cut her <laughs> hair like that. It and then left the fucking show because she was such a diva. Whatever, did did not miss her one. No, when she when she really, finally leaves, I'm like, I think the got... writers like wanted to write her in a way that everyone hated her because it well, was when like, she has sex with Chuck, I am like, I get wanted to vomit. Out. I wanted to vomit. That scene on the street, it's like Rufus Humphrey's there, Chuck is there, Blair is there, Dan is there. It is nightmarish and horrible. It's disturbing. I hate it. Um, but in the beginning, I really like Jenny, and I like that scene um, in the first season when Nate, like, basically doesn't want to go to Blair's birthday party, and he just hangs out with Jenny the whole night. It's very sweet. It's, like, her 16th or 17th Is birthday. Is that the birthday It's like... Where she's hooking up with Chuck? Yeah, it's the one where he, like, gets her the necklace. and Because his... Chuck does. Yeah. But um, but she Nate, thinks it's from him. No, she oh. knows it's from Chuck. Okay. But she, like, is insistent that Nate is coming because he's always been to her birthday. Oh, that's right. But Nate doesn't really want to go. Like, they broke up, and also because he cheated on her, but his parents are like, you need to get back together with Blair. That's For right. business. That's right. And he's like, I don't want to. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm the a good boy. Yeah, he's basically a trip. And then he opens up to Jenny, but someone takes a photo of her Gossip Girl. Ugh, Dan. Yeah, which, no. I don't believe, I don't believe that they started the show thinking that Gossip Girl was Dan. Not I 100% percent so. I wanted that. it to be Dorota. That would've been fun. Or Eric. I wanted it to be Eric. Or even Nate. Like, Ooh. what a surprise, like, that he really is, like, a smart sociopath. That would be the best. <laughs> smart. <laughs> <laughs> he's the dumb. Also, like, I love, that, I love that in the end, Nate is the only one who is single. And, like, even Rufus is now with Lisa Loeb. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I'm like, like, also, like, how dare you, Gossip Girl, for building up the Rufus and Lily relationship no. for Un- unforgivable. seasons. Un-forgivable. And then they don't even end up together. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, well, Bart's alive, so he's technically my my husband before you so i guess i have to be with him now do they get back together after that yes briefly <laughs> before Chuck. that show yikes no 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 wait but do rufus and lily get back together after that no no okay he gets together she gets together with that baldwin again <laughs> and <laughs> who, who like <laughs> gave her fake cancer <laughs> oh my god that, that show, show. <laughs> I don't know who was writing that last season, <laughs> but it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like they weren't even trying anymore. They were like, I don't know, it's the last one, we gotta wrap it up, so who gives a shit? And we're gonna throw some weird curveballs yeah, in seriously. here. God. They have that, like, horrible Juliet character, and that Ivy. Oh, Ivy. Yeah. Or Charlie, as she's also known. Or is that a different person? Different. Well, so, like, they have Ivy, who is... Posing as Charlie, Charlie. And then the real Charlie shows up and dates Nate for a while. I think they right. both dated Nate. Right. Probably. No, they didn't. So did Juliet. All yeah. the conniving girls prey on Nate. <laughs> yeah. Because he's an easy mark. He's the <laughs> easiest mark. Oh, Nate. Ugh. I, I I will say, I like, if Brendan was to be mapped onto a Gossip Girl guy, that would probably be Nate. Oh, probably. Nice. Nice amiable mm-hmm. a stand up guy does the right thing yeah so you know what are you going to do owner of a media empire <laughs> no he's not <laughs> but yeah i guess trip would be kind of a nate i actually think the, the most absurd plot line of gossip girl is that nate becomes a newspaper editor with no college <laughs> education <laughs> like, that is the He most... doesn't finish Columbia, and then... Do any of them finish college, No, no not no. a damn one of them, no. Which I think is one of the most unbelievable parts of the show, is that they are 100% raised and bred to go to Ivy League schools, and... I don't know why they couldn't have just really fast-forwarded the college part, and, like, at least have them graduate. Yeah. Yeah, that, that always really bothered me. Um... Well, this is a fun tangent. Yeah. Um. Well, kind of related. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, I would have liked to see more development with Trip. Well, I, it just, like, in order to sort of justify that relationship, because yeah, pretty much, just, like, like, all we knew side. was that he was hot. Yeah, and it was just, like, on the side, which I did not begrudge Pearl for, because I think, like, as a 15, 16-year-old girl, you're definitely, like... Oh, the quiet, hot one. Like you know, he's just got so many mysteries. And oh, for sure, I'm into it. And he smart he like laughed at a joke I told, kind of. And he said, like, you better be at that party, otherwise, who am I gonna talk to? And you're like, oh my god, yeah, this is great. Um, but then them actually sleeping together is very. But We don't see much it's of it. It's maybe we don't five see pages. We don't see like hardly any of their interactions. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas like all we ever see is like her and Moody like like I would have liked yeah I would have liked at the end to see Trip lose his temper at his mom or something that Pearl left or anyone lose their temper at the mom she deserves For like sure. you know other than Izzy and then like again like you don't get that satisfying. It's like we're meant to believe that she just really took me as advice literally of sometimes, you know, you just you gotta, gotta have burn a prairie it down. fire to have everything grow back more lush. Which I was like, that's a little on the nose. <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but more so, not even Izzy, she's 14, more so Celeste Ng. Yeah. was like, oh yeah, is this what you're gonna have Izzy be told right before she sets stuff on fire? Yeah. So... Are we missing anything? I don't think so. Um, what do you... Okay, like, in your headcanon and, like, your prediction, mm, mm-hmm. what do you think happens to Izzy? Do you think that she goes and loves with Mia and Pearl? No. Well, first of all, she's going the wrong damn way. Where are They're they going, going... They said, in the book it says they, like, had crossed the border, which Iowa was not close to Ohio at all. But they were, like, heading toward Iowa, basically heading west. And she was going to... Pittsburgh, mm. to see her parents, Mia's parents. I think they'll probably figure out that Izzy bought a bus ticket and she'll be brought back to her family. So I think, speaking of the family and Izzy, I think one of the things that makes me the saddest in this book is that Izzy and Lexi, is it the siblings, the Richardson siblings don't get along. Or don't, don't even really don't like, like each other. Like They don't even like love each other. <laughs> well, they don't even care about each other at all. Like yeah. they don't have any, like Lexi and Trip might, but, but like... they're also the most shallow of the two. Yeah. I mean, of the four, like they are like the least feeling and like yeah. the sort of the least complex, I would say. Yeah, Where Moody and Izzy have like, you feel like they have some deeper emotions going yeah. on. Yeah. Where, at first, I, like, wrote down, it makes me really sad that Lexi and Izzy basically hate each other, and there's not, there's not even the, like, I mean, my older brother and I fought all the time when we were younger, but we absolutely loved each other. It was, like, the... Well, and I think between siblings, it's, like, you can, they can really bug you, but, like, if anyone Fs with your sibling, like, look out. Yeah. Because... I would kill them. Totally. Totally. Yeah.
1: And there and are even, people that I like, still
0: have grudges against because I felt that they slighted Marshall when he was a kid. Oh, same. <laughs> um, but even, like, also with your parents, though, too, like, like you, at certain points you're going to be like, Mom, like, you're being very unfair. Yeah. So, but, and so it was nice to see as Lexi was hanging out with Mia more, like, and so, like, after she and, what was her boyfriend's name? Brian? Yeah, Brian. I want to say Ben. After she and Brian break up, and Izzy's really nice to her, and they have kind of a nice moment. And so I found that very heartening. And then, like, literally ten pages later, um, Pearl is talking about how, isn't it great that Trip is concerned with the fact that he and Moody are not close. And then they fight because Moody's an asshole to him, and he's like, you know, Trip, of all people. Idiot. (laughs) Um... And that's very sad to me. Well, it's it's sad because, like, their family in general just isn't close. Yeah, you, like, you get They, like, all the go to sense... separate sides of their house. Right. You get the sense that they're going to grow up and just not really talk to each other very much or know each other very well. Yeah. Which I think is sad. Well, which I think is also hard for both of us to really comprehend because both of us have very tight-knit families. Yes. Yeah. It reminded me, um, have you ever read The Nest? Mm-mm. The Nest, it's kind of about, I feel like it's about, like, the adult Richardsons. Okay. Where, so it's basically, like, this group of siblings who are supposed to inherit this big, um, they're all, like, the Richard, like, Mr. and Mrs. Richardson's age. And all the characters, the siblings. Um, and they're supposed to inherit this, like, big sum of money from their dad who had died not too long ago. Um, but there's, like, all these complications of, like, who's really getting what. And, like, one of the brothers is a real black sheep. And also had, like, spent a lot of what his share was supposed to be, but, like, the mom still wants everything to be even, and so there's just a lot of, like, built-up resentment and stuff, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, it's just sad to me that these people are siblings and don't love and care about each other the way that the Bravermans do. (laughs) Which the Bravermans also, like, it's, like, a bunch of very different people, but they all, like, you know, like... And they Crosby get on and each other's nerves, yeah. Crosby and Julia, like, not similar. No, but, but they would die for each other. Absolutely. I love that shit. And they would, like, and they both, like, have helped each other out in situations, mm-hmm. and I don't know. One of my favorite moments in parenthood is when um, Julia is having a really hard time with Victor, because Victor, their adopted son. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's being really difficult and, yep. like, wanting to be with his biological mother and also just being really mean to Julia and she's like crying and Crosby's like you know who I hated when I was Victor's age mom (laughs) (laughs) he was like she made me eat healthy and it was deplorable (laughs) and he's like you're the best mom in the family and everyone knows it oh "Oh my god really because she raised Sydney (laughs) I Couldn't be worse. The thing that's a bummer is like I just really, really to Julia the most. She's not (laughs) my favorite character, but I just feel like I feel like Brendan and I are a Joel and a Julia. Yeah, I could see that. I like Julia a lot, so I think Joel is like the best husband too, like (laughs) on the show. Is he ever? He is the hottest. He Mm -hmm. he is like nice, the nicest. He has no ego in the game. No. He is happy to play Mr. Mom. He is, like, you know, he's got his shit together. hmm He's he, a supportive partner. He has, like, a sense of humor about the Braverman family. I love when Ray Romano comes on the show and she's like, I'm just trying to be more like Joel because yeah. Joel, Joel is really doing a great job and, like, yeah. everyone likes him. So I'm, like, really just trying to emulate Joel right now. He's like, yeah, that Joel's got it figured out. <laughs> Love that. I hate when he plays poker with all of them. There's Ooh. nothing, um, Ray Romano's character. I do not remember that. It makes me very uncomfortable. Why? It's just really awkward. Because he's like awkward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't go well. God, Ray Romano, like raising Max, oh. though, in his photography studio reminds me of Izzy and uh, <laughs> Mia. Yeah. Although, at least, um, Max is not abused at his house. Yeah, seriously. He's very loved. Yeah. Oh, God. His parents are just doing their damn best. I've, I've got to watch that show. It's just, like, it it's so emotional for me. I, 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 I cry in every single episode. Every single episode. <laughs> every single out episode. of joy and sadness. <laughs> Same. I like, I think Brendan would also actually very much like that show. He would not yeah. admit to wanting to watch it. But he also, like, he cries in every single episode of Friday Night Lights. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? I I do, too. They (laughs) win a game. I cry. Parenthood gets me more than Friday Night Live. Yeah. Same. Didn't... Was it you that I texted that when I was watching the last Michael B. Jordan episode of Parenthood? I was literally sobbing. It was not okay. I, like... I just want to protect Vince. Oh, my God. Yes. And... It was like I wanted I was, to be okay. Uh, I was crying for... Now when I watch Michael B. Jordan on Parenthood or Friday Night Lights, I cry because I know what a great career he's going to have. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so proud of him. I know. And, and that he's just been in this game for so long. I know. Um, We just watched the episode where... <coughs> Is her name Jess? In- His girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, at this point, she's Landry's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then she breaks up with Landry for Vince. Who can And, and Brennan is like, what? How could? I? I'm like, Brennan, <laughs> look at Vince. It's Michael B. Jordan. Like, you know Damaged. what? Landry's gonna be How? fine. And Brennan's like, Landry can't catch a fucking break. Like, he kills Landry's he fine. kills some guy for Tyra. He didn't even go to jail for it. <laughs> kills some guy for Tyra, she dumps him. Like, <laughs> Tyra does him dirty. He buys this girl a bike, she dumps him for oh, Vince. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh, Landry. Brennan's like, Landry deserves so much more. Yeah. Brennan likes that boring um, farmhand oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Luke. That's his favorite character he's now. He's a sweetie, but who cares? Not me. He's no Vince. Speaking of That's getting a I girl pregnant. Say. Luke Luke. And then yeah. his mom, like, is the craziest woman in the yeah. show. You know who I also love? Tinker. Oh my god, same. Where I just comes, watched where he like... got to have a like a football move. Aww. Like he like they like tricked a trick move where it went to Tinker and Vince was like, Are we even allowed to do that? Aww. Yeah. Love it. I love when he goes have you seen the episode where he goes to help on Luke's farm and the dad is like, Why are you here? And he's like, Well I mean, we need Luke on the team, and so if this is yes. gonna help him get to practice, I'm yes. gonna help out. And I was like, Tinker. That's the same episode where Luke breaks his leg oh, or whatever he does. I love that <laughs> plot. And then when oh my god, when I just remember when it happened, and I just couldn't wait for Coach to find out and be concerned. But Coach wasn't. He Coach was. He was mad. mad. He was mad. Brennan loves Coach. Who well, does I mean, I love Coach too. I love Coach. Coach T. Coach T. Oh God. Just you know, handsome. I just Caring. like Coach T and Paul holes are like just hot dads. They are hot dads. Just, but I, what I like about Coach Taylor too is it's not like he's not like an after school special where he's always like hugging them and like you know what I mean. Where no, it's he, not like he, on he's Glee. He them a tough message. Yeah, like I like that oh, he's God, o- he's always got him kind of in an arm's length. Yeah, no, he Which does. Which I think is... In, he keeps us... guessing. Like, he's there for them when it really, really matters, but he's not, like, overly whatever. Like, he lets Tim stay at his house, but he then he'll be like... He to Thanksgiving. Know, but then he'll just be like, you know what, like, get out of my office. Why are you... But also... You're bothering me. I, I also find it adorable, though, too, that, like... His relationship with Buddy Garrity has like turned into such a adorable friendship, friendship. cuz like in the beginning he's like get the hell out of he my house buddy <laughs> but i like that he still feels that way a little bit <laughs> Well i I, we I love to watch the next season so good. I I just watched the episode where it was Thanksgiving and um Coach was like to Tammy. He's like, Buddy Garrity's coming to um, Thanksgiving. And she's like, what the F? Like, no, he's not. Like, and she's like, he's like, yeah, and he's bringing in a fried turkey with a, like, burnt, like a, like a fry, a deep fryer. And, and she's like, I made a turkey. Like, why, why are you having that happen? Oh, also, he's going to flirt with Tyra's mom. Yeah. Which is exactly what happens. Well, what are you going to do? You know what? Buddy is one of my favorite characters on that show. I adore him. (laughs) I like what they do with his character. I think it's really smart. And fun. That show is honestly one of my favorite shows of all time. And I think it's one of the best television shows of all time. It is a very good show. They also don't get too wild with plot lines. No. I mean, everybody always kind of talks about that they kind of jumped the shark with Landry killing that guy. But I didn't care that much. I think... When you're binging it, you don't care as much about stuff happening because it's over so quickly. Yeah. It's also like, I was never watching that show for Landry, so, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> like, what's going on with Tim? <laughs> and God. Coach. My favorite episode is when Tim lives with them, and he, like, lifts up that baby, and there's a tornado. Have you you? I mean, you've definitely seen it. So the episode is, like... It's when Tim leaves that weird drug dealer's house, Oh, and yeah. he so he like Coach basically finds him sleeping outside in his car,
1: and oh. so he's like,
0: "Okay, come and stay with us." And it's right after Tammy had um, Gracie, Gracie Bell, who is an alien toddler, <laughs> but a fine baby, um, and like the sisters staying there. Oh yeah, and so he starts saying, and Tammy is like staying in our house with our 16 year old daughter that is like having a stick of dynamite in your house um, it's true but it like cuts to tim holding the baby and like doing airplane with it and it just like <laughs> makes me melt every time and then at the end of the episode he goes to a party with julie because he's oh, like yeah. he can see that she's like kind of upset that like Matt is dating um his grandmother's nurse which is inappropriate. Oh, I forgot. Carlotta. That That is an inappropriate plot line. (laughs) Um, And so Tim's like, let's go to this party. And Julie gets really drunk and this guy is like all over her and Tim is like, oh, hey, like come and talk to me. And he's like, yeah, this girl's like totally going home with me. Like, it's awesome. She's so drunk. We're definitely going to have sex. And he's like, oh, is that right? If you talk to her again, I will end you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then he brings her home and Coach thinks that he's trying to like Take advantage of her because he, like, literally walks in the door as Tim is, like, laying her on the bed. Oh, my God. I hate that part. Yes. And then Julie finally tells Coach in the next episode that it, like, wasn't how he thought. And then Coach goes to his house and he's like, you didn't say Like, I've been so hard on you for the past few days and you haven't even given me any grief for it. And, like, you were protecting my opinion of my daughter. And that is, like, what? that, like, I can't even begin to tell you what that means to me. Oh, God. And Rachel brought up a really heartbreaking point where, because he doesn't really defend himself fully when he's like, it's not what you think, but Rachel's like, he doesn't, like, really fight it because it's what he thinks he deserves. I know. Ugh. Tim Riggins. That was Friday Night Lights Corner. (laughs) (laughs) One last thing. We were watching it, the episode where Tim goes to jail. Oh. um, And Brendan's like, oh my god, he's going to have to shave his head. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't. Okay. Spoiler alert. That's exactly what I said. I'm like, they will not make him do that. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's his signature look. (laughs) Yeah, Brendan's like, this is why they had his hair like that in... True Detective Season 2. Oh, I'm like, yeah. no. They, oh, what a disappointment that was. My dad stands by it. <laughs> what? He liked it? <laughs> His defense of it is... Does he like Vince Vaughn or something? Yes. Okay. That's almost 100. He's like, hey, Vince Vaughn's fine. I mean, it's I... All, he's like, hey, you know what? It's fine. There can be good characters in a show and have it be a horrible plot. Yeah. I just... I remember Rachel and I watching the end of it being like... We don't even care who the killer is. I still like, when, when it ended, I'm like, I'm like still not 100% sure who the killer is. <laughs> what, what, what even did I just watch? I think also because I knew, I still haven't seen the first season, which I heard Oh is my great. god, True Detective Season 1 is amazing. So I was going to watch it, but when I started it, Rachel's out of town, and I was, and I walked home It's one pretty day, dark. And I realized I was, it was not a good choice. You should watch definitely watch it. Gone. It's um it you will really like the banter between Matthew McConaughey and whatever that guy's name is yeah. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Um did you see three of Bul- three billboards? Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson basically is the same. Yeah. In that, but like worse in yeah. True Detective. He's like cheating on his wife. Yes, which I despise that plot line. Yeah. But um
1: So but it is a very
0: good show. What did you give Little Fires Everywhere on Goodreads? So I gave it four, but, like, what I really wanted to give was 3.5. Same. Okay. But I gave it a three. Okay. Because so, I mean, between the two of us. Yes. Because, well, I think, like, I kind of changed my criteria a little bit since we started this podcast. Where, because I almost wanted to go back and rate down some of the books that I've probably given threes to in the past that maybe you threes. you generally give a high rating I do I tend to give pretty high ratings because I mean I have mostly I usually like the books I read so I'm like yeah I liked it and so if I loved it I give it a five and if I'm like yeah I liked it I give it a four same and this one it, it was like I almost felt the way that I felt about Manhattan Beach where whenever I was reading it I preferred I was this very, to Manhattan Beach. me too but whenever I was reading Manhattan Beach, I was very interested in what was going on, and yet I didn't really... But I was always kind of thinking to myself, do I like this book? Yeah. Or, that's how I felt about the very end. I, I felt like this book didn't deliver for me no. like what I wanted. Yeah. I think I wanted there to be more of a twist. I did not want it to be Izzy who had set the fires. Yeah. Um, well, that was... I was also kind of laughing listening back... To how vehemently you were like, it's too obvious. <laughs> There's no way. Like, I well, like, I mean, oh. that's the thing. That's that's what happens when you only watch thrillers. Yeah. Like, true crime thrillers and, like, pr- police procedurals. Like, mm-hmm. it has to... Like, there has to be a twist in the last two chapters that yeah. you were not expecting. Broadchurch has a pretty good twist, I will say. <sighs> I have got to watch it. I, well, I will be watching it. We will be watching it on our plane. Um... But yeah, so I just felt like it didn't, it, I liked everything until it was over. And I was like, there needed to be but, maybe 20 more pages. But I also enjoyed reading it. Like I, yes, like, I didn't want to put it down, which like, yeah, has not always been my experience with Queenie mm-hmm. books in yes. the past. What was the one that we read? Oh, I think it was Wrinkle in Time where we were like, this could have been like 20 pages longer, Tw- like more like 50. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it was like, and we beat it, and then the book was over. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) We beat it, and then we hugged our mom, and it was over. What? (laughs) What happened to literally everyone? (laughs) Well, that's what you find out in book two. Oh, that's true. Maybe. That's fair. There is no book two to this. No. I would be. I'm interested to see it as a television series. I think that will. This book will let itself. Oh. Well, and I think what's also nice about TV shows is you can take a character like Trip and flesh him out a little bit more when you have... I think he probably will be. They'll probably... More of a visual medium. Yeah. When you have a little more time. But, yeah. So, my true rating for this is a three and a half, but on Goodreads it's a three. Okay, same. Because I'm trying to be a little bit more... um, Picky? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I give most of our books a four. I feel like I do, too. Unless it's, like, one of my favorites and then it gets to be a five. Well, I'm very excited for next week. Me, too. Well, I guess it won't be next week. I'm going to Europe tomorrow, so, Woo! um, yeah, we will have a week off. Yep. Um, and we'll come back with Anne Rule. We will come back with Anne Rule and The Stranger Beside Me? The yes. Killer Beside Me? was Stranger Beside the Me. The Stranger Beside Me. Yes i excited. I'm very excited. Me too. The um, book is thick, but it is small. Yeah, it is like I'm I have it in my bag um <clears> in my <throat> vacation bag and I feel like it's going to be a good vacation read. I think so too. I'm going to leave my Golden State Killer book at home, I think, cuz it's a hardcover and I don't want to carry it. It's going to be heavy. Yeah. But I and I also b- um, bought a book of like to <laughs> place in Provence. Oh, yes. for my trip, so like so I brought that, do that. So um yeah, I like I have like five books going at once, and I need to stop. I feel like it's my TV schedule. Where I'm like watching seventy five <laughs> things, and I yeah, can't I have keep another of it. book going that I don't really like. What is it? It's called The Regulars by Georgia Clark, and I just think it's like a little bit. So, like, did you see the previews for that Amy Schumer movie? I feel pretty. Mm, so I, it's like a yeah. similar idea to that, and I have the same annoyance toward this book that I did toward I Feel Pretty. I like how you asked if I've seen the previews. You didn't even bother uh, no, to ask see me the if theater. I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you barely see anything, but you're I definitely know. not going to see that. I know. Um, I still haven't even seen Black Panther. Or but, Lady Bird. But it's like, I feel like I need to finish the book. Because I, I'm like 140 pages in. You know what? I can't just like... You know what, Audrey? Put it down. I'm like trying to I also f- own it, so. I'm trying to break myself of the habit of being such a completionist about books. Yeah. I feel like if you're 140 pages in and you don't like it yet, you're not going to like it the rest of the way. So yeah. why waste your time? My, if it were That's a library. a poll question to ask our reader, or our listener. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If it were a library book, I'd be like, see you later. But since I own it, I'm like, well, I don't want to have it on my shelf. <laughs> if I didn't even finish it. I'm 225 pages through the history of Holy Cross, which is my undergraduate institution, and oh, I Lord. decided that I'm not going to read the rest. That's probably fair. Yeah. But, like, that's, like, honestly one of the first times I have ever done that in my life. Yeah. Because I have been raised to complete things and yeah. I don't quit. But you know what? I, I think it's I'm going to change book. my philosophy. Yeah. Well, also, like, it- it's now taking up time for a book that I might really like. Yeah. There are a lot of books. In the world. Yeah. There are a lot of books. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all I have. Yeah. That about does it. Okay. Well, rate, review, subscribe. Yes. As always, we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.